2: LMFM podcasts with CNC carpets. We bring the showroom to you or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dremiscan. Call 87 660 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs.
3: That still gives me the shivers every year I hear it Happy Halloween folks Yes, it's coming up on Monday And all that goes along with it It's become such a big festival, hasn't it? Well, I'll tell you one thing It's going to be the happiest of happy Halloweens in Trim County Mead, because they've just been named Ireland's tidiest town. Congratulations to all concerned. It's a wonderful, wonderful accolade. And I'm sure the celebrating is just kicking off there. But what an achievement. And we're going to be grabbing somebody from the tidy towns in Trim uh, very shortly on late lunch. But we begin today on the Halloween theme. And we have a man with us who knows the ins and outs of it. He's from boy in County Mead. Hello Ward, Sure. where did it all begin only there? He's an archaeologist and folklorist. I'm delighted to say hello again to John Gilroy. Afternoon, John. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show this afternoon. I, I want to start because this is the big question always. You know the way Halloween has really been Americanized in this country at this stage. But it began here, John. Are we are, are, we, are we fair enough saying that,
4: that Meath in Ireland was where it all kicked off? Yeah, I think that's a fair enough statement to make. Um, at a site called Trocta Hill of Ward, one mile yeah. um, southwest of by there's a hill. And on the hill, there is some earthworks. We call it a ringfort, maybe. There's 40,000 ringforts in the country. But what's almost unique about Trocta is it's, instead of being surrounded by one bank, it's surrounded by four massive banks. So there are only three, three um, sites like that in the country out of 40,000. Mm. And if you were to stand on that hill today, that's what you'd see. Fantastic view over, over the plain of Meath, Tara, 12 kilometres away as the crow flies. Absolutely brilliant. So back in 2013, 14 and 15, uh, the School of Archaeology at UCD spent three seasons digging the site to see what we could find there. And what is An absolute remarkable site as it stands today turns out to be even more remarkable and more mysterious because underlying the existing site, which we think was built around 400 AD, but underlying that site is a previous existing structure, which is absolutely massive. It consists of three circles of ditches, which if you were to lay out the circles line to line, it would would incorporate three kilometres of rock-cut ditches, built sometime. Around 800 BC, uh, during the Bronze Age, so that's what you'd see if you were to um, if you were to stand on the hill today. You'd see the platform with four massive earthen banks and a good view of the surrounding mm. countryside. Mm. But there's three strands of mythology associated with it. Very, very strong, very clear mythology, and very confusing sometimes. But one of the strands, is the one we're most interested in, uh, is written in a 17th century document. Um, which goes back much, much earlier um, than that. It's drawn on on other sources, which puts the Hill of Ward as the birthplace of Samhain. And the mythology says that on Samhain, and Samhain is Halloween, of course, and the word Samhain probably derives from the setting of the summer sun, which is a really nice name. But uh, It is said in the old manuscripts that on Samhain, Halloween night, all the fires in Ireland were extinguished. Mm. um, And a massive fire was relit at Tlaqda, from which every fire in the countryside was rekindled. Oh. So that's the mythology. What's that telling us, though? Um, is there a meaning behind that? And of course, there is a very, very, very deep meaning behind it. This was the turning of the year from summer to winter, from light to darkness, and the extinguishing of the fires. Um, in Ireland at the time symbolises the ascendancy of the forces of of darkness and decay as winter approaches. So because we're at a boundary in time, all boundaries um, are are under pressure at this time. And the veil between this world, our world, and the other world, never too strong at the best of times, is particularly uh, thin on Halloween night. So what we have here is because the veil is so thin that citizens of the other world can pass through the veil into our world and that's where we get the idea of ghosts and witches and all sorts of strange creatures being abroad on halloween night and it would be a very good idea not to be caught out on a country road after darkness on halloween night Mm.
3: Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating and I've, I, I know about the veil, and we've spoken about it with different people on the show here over the years and its you just put it so precisely and clearly to us there. So that's what, what, what it all revolves around. Now come back to Clock the Hill Award for me for a moment. Talk about what Three Strands which you mentioned. There's three strands here isn't it? There? There's the Hill of Tara, uh, there is Clock the Hill Award itself
4: and Telltown.
3: Distinguish between yeah. those, they all had different roles.
4: They had, and they're normally mentioned in the one breath in, in the manuscript. So Tara, we would say it would be the symbolic political center, um, of Ireland, where we'd say it's associated with the High King, uh, the O'Neills and, um, and the, the reigning King of Ireland. Tolton then was, um, associated with what we will, your listeners will probably be familiar with the Tolton Games. The Tolton Games were a series of athletic and, and feats of strength that took place around a huge assembly that took place at Telltown which is between Navan and Kells as we all know um, and it was really a market um, an assembly where laws and customs and marriages and all sorts of social things took place and then at Tlocka we would consider Clacton to be maybe the religious centre yes. uh, of, of, of the pre Christian world, where um, where the druids and and uh, came together on Halloween night. And what is remarkable about Clacton is when we were digging it there um, several years ago, we didn't find a single shred of evidence of any habitation taking place there, which is rather remarkable. No one ever lived on the hill, so it certainly seems to be a purely ritual site. And the amount of work. went in. like I mean, the, the entire site covers more than an acre. And the amount of work that went into raising these banks demonstrated that this was a really important place, especially because it wasn't a place where someone was living. They built it as a temple, perhaps, you might be
5: able
4: to
3: describe it. Mm. It was a time of plenty, of course, this time of the year. The harvests were gathered, the animals were being brought in for the winter. You mentioned the sun there as well, you know, uh, at its you know most weak point in the year, of course, too. Uh, and you, you talk as well about, you know, the other world and, and the different uh, manifestations that arrive from there. In your lifetime, John, and, and being involved so deeply with this, and a man of that boy, you ever come across anything
4: unusual yourself? Well, <laughs> well I'm a man of science as well as a man yes. of, uh, of folklore. Um, I, I suppose, look, the Irish countryside is full to the brim of ghosts. Mm. And some places are particularly noteworthy for that. Did you ever hear of a graveyard called Moy Balogue? It's up near uh, Bilybarra between Bailieborough and uh worker up that, you know, North North County Mead. Oh, no, I um, didn't,
3: but I hear a story coming on. Come on, John. Uh,
4: there are several of them, but um, there was one night um, there was two girls walking past the graveyard and was, they got caught out after dark, of course, and were a bit afraid to walk by, but they were delighted to look behind them and see a fellow walking on the road behind them. So they waited for him and they said to him, um, you mind if, if, if we walk with you past the graveyard? Because, you know, we're afraid of seeing a ghost. And your man turned around to them and he says God you know you're right to be afraid he said because when I was alive I used to be afraid as well <laughs> John <laughs> John you're after putting the
3: willies and scaring the life out of everybody there'll be nobody near cemeteries at all <laughs> this evening No it's a, good, it's
4: a good idea to steer clear of, of cemeteries um, on Halloween night unless of course you're looking for a partner and if you were to go to your local cemetery and walk three times around the church in an anti-clockwise direction it's very important that would be that direction you could Meet, um, meet your future partner. Although, you, as we all know, all relationships are fraught with danger because if your future partner doesn't arrive, you might meet the devil. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but John, that cemetery you mentioned in Baileybur, it is regarded as
4: one of the most spooky, isn't it? Oh, well, it's a fabulous place. It's it, it's an early Christian set se- site, which has a, a history of going back, certainly maybe. Fifteen hundred years. It's it's a remarkable, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, um, it, it's it's absolutely remarkable. But the amount of folklore um, that's associated with it sets it out as as one of the most otherworldly sites um, uh, in the country. I, I would argue, mm. um, but it, 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 it's it's re- it's 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 really really remarkable. But all these all these stories though really have their origin in the pre-Celtic idea of the veil being thin between this world and the next and at certain times of the year it's 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 transparent and permeable and and, and and people can cross both ways actually. You can walk into the other world as well. Uh, but but um, mostly the traffic is outcoming.
3: And, John, you know, today I mentioned a little earlier on about the Americanization of this. What do you make of that? You know, in an Irish context, this has become a big festival now. You know yourself, I don't have to tell you. And there's a lot of money spent at this time of the year. And it's it's celebrated maybe in, in a different way because of that angle. What do
4: you think of that? Yeah, it's it's the second biggest festival in the world after Christmas, could you believe? Mm. Um uh, and it's not; it probably isn't celebrated in the, to the potential that it sh- that it could be. But I suppose the, the Americanization, as you say, um, stems from um, Irish immigrants going to America um, in the in the 1900s and the 18th century and bringing their traditions with them. Right. And of course, the Americans do everything bigger and brighter and better uh, than everyone else, and they have added their own, um, you know, I suppose strands to it. And that's fair; that is legitimate because Halloween. Isn't a static event; it's an evolving event. I mean, a hundred years ago, we'd have celebrated Halloween quite differently, and a hundred years before that, we'd have celebrated it rather differently again. Mm. So, where the Americans introduced the pumpkin? For instance, uh, we would have traditionally had a, a turnip, and the turnip would have served the same purpose as as the as the pumpkin hollowed out into into scary faces and and, and skulls, and uh, lit up with candles. So, look, I mean, the American the Americanization of it, um, I, I welcome it, in fact, because it is a new a, a different evolution of, yeah. of the same old stories, and it's mm-hmm. Halloween. The rings that surround the um, the, the fort at Tracta, the ramparts are rings, and if you like, those rings are rippling out not just in geography but in time as well and in culture. So the centre of the world at Halloween was Tracta at boy. And the uh, ripples from there over the last 1500, maybe 2000 years have reached all corners of the world. I think that's a good thing. Oh, isn't it marvelous
3: just to contemplate that today? John, I'll tell you the turnip. I nearly lost my hand several times trying to uh, uh, hollow out the turnip. The pumpkin is far easier. Much easier, much easier. Oh, That's probably why we use it. Yeah, a different job altogether. You'd want to watch yourself working on the turnip for sure. But like when I when I see it today even my my grandchildren are all dressed up today, you know, going to their schools and their play schools and looking forward to trick or treating as
4: well, it is a wonderful tradition, John. It sure is, and I mean, if you want to add some add some new tra- or older traditions to it, um, I remember when I was a gossin, we used to go around uh, at boy, and you'd say. Um, to people on Halloween, give us a treat or we'll take your gate. I don't know, did you ever hear of that? I and at one sense, it could just mean a bit of divilment taking taking the gate off your field and maybe putting your, putting your animals out in the road. But at another level, perhaps, remember we said that all boundaries are under pressure at Halloween from the other world. And if you were to open a gate in a boundary, are you opening a gate into the other world and maybe releasing forces of mayhem and mischief across the place so instead of just being a harmless prank are we really interfering with existentialist human fears here i don't know is that is that what a seven-year-old john gilroy thought but you know the <laughs> mythology would be fighting in that direction as well
3: <laughs> well there you go uh, time has passed for sure look you gotta update that book of yours that's been uh, out some time now it's a, a new version on the way perhaps
4: yeah i think so um, the book was written to to stimulate a bit of interest in the site it served its purpose it was of its time uh 20 years have passed um and i think it's time to uh, update it and bring on board all the new archaeology uh, that we know that is associated with the site so yeah we're hoping for next halloween to have that book ready
3: John, you're great. You really are. I thank you so much for joining us today to uh, mark the Halloween festival, as you said, which is the second biggest now in the world. Look forward to the uh, revised version. Happy Halloween, John. Same to you, Jerry. Thank you. Take care of yourself. That's John Gilroy there, archaeologist and folklorist from Athboy in County Mead.
5: Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy.
3: Classic comedy.
0: Classic comedy.
3: On the late lunch... I love comedy. Oh, it's so timely, so appropriate today. Halloween beckons. Here's the one and only Mr Dave Allen. Many years ago, it was rather foolish. And we were in the west coast of Ireland. And we were in a
6: bar and we'd had a couple of drinks... And somebody started to talk about the unknown, the spirit world. And the conversation came up about the gravedigger's house. And the locals started to tell us about it. And this gravedigger was found in his bed, dead, with terrible marks upon his neck and his eyes wide open. And the doctor said that the marks had nothing to do with his death but that the man had died of fright. And I scoffed, foolishly. And it came about with a few more drinks and everything else that I accepted a dare or a bet that I would stay the night in the cottage beside the graveyard. And I went there. And we agreed that the door would be locked and I would stay in there till first light. And I was locked in. And I don't know really what happens, but I think a great deal of fear is in one's mind. It was dank, it was cold. The effects of the booze began to wear off. And I began to think, what in the name of God are you doing? (laughs) And I felt, I don't know what it was, it was an instinct, it it was something stronger than me pulled me towards this bed where this man had died. I was drawn, I fought against it, and I was drawn nearer and nearer to this bed. And I was told somehow or another to sit on that bed. I didn't want to, and I did. And an unnatural drowsiness came over me. And I became very sleepy, and I laid down knowing full well that I shouldn't. And I went to sleep, a limbo sleep. And I woke. What time? I have no idea. The candle had burned down. It was black. It was cold. And I felt a presence. I was completely sober by then and utterly terrified. The heckles on the back of my neck had begun to rise. I was paralyzed by a presence of fear, and I felt something on my chest begin to move. (laughs) It crept slowly up my chest, and I couldn't move. It came closer and closer to my throat. I gathered all my willpower as this thing came closer and near,
1: and I grabbed it,
6: and it was wet and cold,
1: and I bit it, and
6: I screamed with pain, and that is how I lost my faith.
3: <laughs> yes. Dave Allen biting his own finger off At Halloween in a haunted house Your comedy on late lunch this afternoon Okay, quickly, before we go to books I want to do my TV theme competition I always struggle to get that out From the old choppers every week I think I'm getting better anyway But let's have a wee listen Well, let's let's tee it up for us Here we go
0: Great, I love TV
1: We watch
3: TV
2: TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch Remember that TV movie we saw TV, TV, TV.
3: I picked especially for Halloween. Oh, it just gives you the shivers, doesn't it? Do you know that TV theme? I have a lovely prize to give to one of you this afternoon. 086-1800-658. Come on, WhatsApp or text me to the show and we'll pick a winner before the end of late lunch. It is Boot Club Friday and I'm delighted to welcome to the show to review with us this afternoon, the wonderful Nicola Cassidy. Hello, Nicola.
7: Hi, Jerry. How are
3: you? I'm good. It's a bit spooky that don't say what it is. Do I don't know what it is. Oh, that's all right. I, that's I, all I right.
7: I recognise
3: it, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, and, and I do too, and I suppose if that was put to me, I just don't think I'd get it either. But it's anyway, good. it's out there in the ethernet for everybody else to have a go at. You're very welcome to the show and thanks for joining us uh, on uh, Book Club Friday on Late Lunch. So let's begin with your book of the month, which is?
7: Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus.
3: Oh, wait till I tell you. You told me uh, yesterday about this book and I've been doing a bit of digging since. This sounds fantastic and I just see anyone who's read this book they're waxing lyrical
7: about it. And and back interested in chemistry after you read yeah. it. It's brilliant. It's, I, I didn't know what to expect. I never read blurbs. I just go and you know what, I've heard a lot about it. It's doing very well. It's top on the charts. And I said, just dive. I, I dove straight in. I'm listening to it on audio. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of those books that has, it's captured, it's got a lot of comic Um, writing in it which just makes you laugh but it's got a lot of depth and a lot of heart and it's a really good storyline about Elizabeth Zott who was a woman ahead of her time she's born as a she's a chemist Uh, she's a very highly intelligent woman Um, but unfortunately she's born into 1950s America and this does not suit Elizabeth Mm. Zott well she ends up having a child um, out of wedlock and it's not because it's because she decided she didn't want to get married and this is totally frowned upon and it it scuppers her whole life then going forward Um, it's done as I, I I didn't understand what the chemistry part but as you realize as it goes through she ends up presenting a cooking program so she decides she says that cooking is chemistry so she's teaching the world what's happening with the cooking but she does it through chemistry and the whole world is absorbed in her and it's 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 just so well done it's so unusual such a good read it's she's taken on the patriarchy but it doesn't feel like I mean it's I don't think it's just I wouldn't see a woman reading this. I think it's open for everybody. It's a really accessible text and very entertaining.
3: And it is a debut, isn't it? It's her first. It's Bonnie Garmis' first book. And guess what
7: age she is? 65.
3: Really? Yes. Well, now, life begins when it doesn't matter, does it?
7: But you know what comes through, which I was thinking about? Her life experience is all through the book. So I feel like these characters and these conversations that she's having, this is Bonnie's life as well. And I love that. I feel there's a lot of older authors... Oh, it's not even oh, this day, these days, but they're not in their thirties; they're in their sixties, and her writing is just so refined and I read that she was rejected 98 times before she got this printed and you're, it's hard to believe because it's so good and it's so well written and it's really it's one, it's definitely one of my favourites this year now and the fact that she is the, she's a debut but she, her background is um, she was she was editing a scientific journal so she knows her stuff yes. but she also knows how to make it interesting you know mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's not a boring line in this
3: And you know she talks about the University of California in Los Angeles and the difficult times she had there and as you said life experience talking about it back then then and how difficult it was for her and when she went to work in the lab elizabeth she hooks up with this guy calvin evans who's the other main character who's the guy she lives with and that yeah. but i laughed and it shows you and this happened to me in my life preconception she walked in and he thought she was just Are you a secretary you know yeah. so she dismiss, you know what i mean of the woman and then when he met her and can i say this on the air he vomited on her <laughs>
7: didn't he well, not okay. because of what he saw. No, no, but he, he bloody was, he well was did. sick. Yeah, and that's how they he, ended up. He, yeah, he, he, he,
3: he did. You know what I mean? And that was the. the. Oh, my. When, when you think about it and how, how they got off and got up and going. But amazing the way she, you know, uh, segued from the lab, you know, the ke- chemistry, to become
7: this star in yeah. television. And the reason that happens to her, and that's all at the starts, so and we're not giving away anything yes, by saying yes. that. She's just so battened down by being, she she eventually goes back to the lab and they still, they, they just have absolutely no respect for her, even though she is the top chemist there.
8: Yeah. And
7: it's it, it's just, it's lovely done. Like it. she keeps pointing out the patriarchy and you realise how far women have come, like, and mm-hmm. how the battles that she's battling, we don't battle. We do, obviously we still have some battles, but a lot has been overcome. A lot has come forward in, in women's rights, but it's not in your face. It's done really subtly. And, and you're just kind of sitting there gasping at like what was just normal back then. And it's, um, yeah, she takes on the patriarchy and it's just, it's it's so well done. I highly recommend it read. And there's
3: wonderful characters in it besides your man I mentioned there. You know, her neighbour, this uh, neighbour who also detests her husband. Harriet.
7: Oh, <laughs> the, the, She has this line in it where she talks about how when he, you know, he keeps a stretch in the morning, he lifts up his T-shirt and there's a shower of little black hairs. And you're like, oh, you could just see it in the air. So it's, yeah, her descriptions are... Re- it's a small life, like Elizabeth. She's living a small life, but the one thing about Elizabeth Todd is she never ever backs down from her principles. Mm. And even when you, as the reader, are thinking, "Oh, just just say yes," or just just for the easy life, why why would she refuses to go? She never steps outside her principles. Mm. And for me, reading it, I was like, "God, oh, she's." She, because you know people can be big people pleasers and I certainly find I tend to say even if I don't want to do something I'll say yes she never does what she doesn't believe in and I just I feel coming away from it going God, how can you how can i going to get a bit more of that in my life like uh-huh. you keep your principles because it always works out in the end for her and you see why she's right to do that
3: Can I say a couple of things just observing you you know look at the success you've had at your young age think of What's ahead of you? How how, will I be when I'm 65? How great (laughs) you are going to become. But honestly, I know you read an awful lot and you always have. Yeah. You obviously take from, from, you know, it's honing your skills reading others.
7: It must be. I mean, you do, if you look at your life and you look at from when you're a child, who influences you? And I remember, because I I used to journalism that I used to look at Miriam Macallan on Mm. Primetime. And I used to go, okay, she is intelligent. Um, she takes on the politicians but I knew that she would a family life and she children. So I think if you can set your role models and Elizabeth is a real role model for, for anyone to read. So yeah, people, they, people do influence. Other women do influence other women coming up for sure. Mm.
3: Book of the Month, on Late Lunch Boot Club this month as selected by the wonderful Nicola Cassidy is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Well worth getting and putting on your gift list for somebody who loves reading this Christmas time. Let's move on and you're bringing it back home with your second choice. Iron Annie by Luke Cassidy.
7: Yeah, so um, Luke is a writer from Dundalk or The Border. He was a writer in residence in Anton Arts Centre this year and I'm currently the writer-in-residence for Anton. So we, we have, I was very interested to see what his book was like. It's a debut, um, but it doesn't read really like a debut. And you know, it's, it's it's very literary and it is written in the Dundalk vernacular, which I didn't realise. So I, again, I never read verbs, so just dive straight in. So for the first few pages, like what's going on here? And so I realised it's written in the Dundalk accent. And like, we know the Dundalk accent yes. because we're from Louth. Um, but I was wondering how is that going to come across to people who obviously, not everyone knows where Dundalk mm. is or what people like their f- sound like. So I was interested to see how it would travel, but it has done very well. He's won the Desmond Elliott Prize. That's right. It's been um, adapted into a cabaret. It was in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year as well. So it's doing very well. I loved it. I loved that it's it's quite literary, but I just was sucked in, sucked into the character. The main character is, is not Annie actually, but it's Eva. Eva is from Dundalk and she is a little bit of a lost soul. Um, she's on the periphery, she's drug dealing, she's distilling a bit of gin on the border not unheard of she's smuggling fags that's what she's doing as for her career shall I say so she's she's kind of she's not really sure where she's going in life she meets Annie she she ends up falling in love with Annie. And she's very confused by this and very confused by Annie who really treats her badly. And they end up going on a journey to the UK on a on a drugs run, basically, and it tells the story of that. So I just found it so interesting. It's totally sucked in. It's very realistic and very comical as well. Hugely comical. I love I love a bit of comedy in, mm. in my in to read and writing. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I read it on holidays this year and it, it reminded me a bit of Irvin Welch's um train spotting. I don't know if you ever read that back in the day. That's written in the vernacular as well. And it's yeah, I, I mean, I, do, I just, be, I, I actually, near, I was like, oh, I'd love to write something that draw accent to see how that would go. <laughs> like, you know, it was, let's take it on. Different, but really interesting. And was, mm. I loved it.
3: There's a great character in it, the Rat King.
7: The Rat King is a traveller mm. and he is fierce and you're afraid of him. And he has, he has the... um he has a rat in his pocket. He has a yeah. live
3: rat in his pocket. Yeah,
7: disgusting. She's disgusted by this, Eva. Every time she sees it, it, makes her feel sick. So, but you can imagine it. You can see it, and you can. Uh, but he's he's also um, fluent in French, and he has, I think, a degree or a master's. He's he's highly educated. Yeah. Um, so everything's challenged. All the all these characters are challenged. I loved when they're in the spirit store and they're moving around to knock areas that you know. But the characters are very realistic and very well drawn out. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a riveting read like. And
3: that journey in the UK, the two women, my God, that is written, you know so brilliant yeah you? and so
7: bleak you know they're, yeah, they're in these, they're in is, these bleak is. pubs in England and yeah. um, they get separated and you realise there's a little bit of the loneliness I think of the expat you know, the Irish over in England and that so yeah, it's a good story you know it's not just mm. the, I mean the, the vernacular is one thing but it is a good story mm. and I can see how he's doing very well with it
3: with a real local twist highly recommended by Nicola today Iron Annie by Luke Cassidy check it out it's widely available and it's out there at the moment and, and well well worth the read. Now, for your third and final choice today, I smiled when you picked this one because I'm actually familiar with this. Uh, Are you? Yeah, I am. uh, Because it's by Alana Kirk and it's Midlife Redefined, Better, Bolder, Brighter uh, is the name of the book. Well, well, Nicola, come on.
7: Well, you see, I didn't realise that I am nearly in my midlife, right? I thought for me, midlife is, I always thought that's your 50s. But if you actually think about it, if your life if your lifespan is in your 80s and you're approaching your 40s you're coming into your midlife so uh, I was I, I said oh that not that book is not for me but then I realized it is for me because it's it's not just about your age it's about the stage that you're in life and what Alana talks about is these Golden two decades that people have been given back because our lifespan is expanding. Yes, because things have changed for women. We have more independence. We have um, a lot of us are more are better financially off. A lot of us don't have children or are you know being kind of classed by marriages. So she's talking about what are we going to do with these two decades that we've been given back? That mm. most of us haven't really. We've grown up to we're grown up to expect to to strive for what we want. But no one before us has actually really had this goldenheim is yes. what she calls it. But yes. she's but she also makes the point that we we're entering this this time, this midlife, totally confused, overwhelmed, still have all these pressures that we've brought with us. And it's it's like she calls it a self help memoir. So as you're reading it, you're listening to her experience because she has she had a very difficult midlife, a lot of things happened to her and how she learned and grew from that, but how you take what she's saying in her lessons, but you apply it to your own life, and it's like a bit of a self therapy. Mm-hmm. And I loved it; I just loved like going through, and making my lists of what I want, and my games and all. You know, I <laughs> love all that. And which uh, she's written it's very entertaining as well. And I just, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, she
3: separated around about seven years ago, became a single parent herself. I love some of the uh, some of the lines. I wanted to take a man's shirt off now, not iron it. <laughs>
7: she is very open she, Alana is I, I know Alana actually and <laughs> yeah. she's she, uh, see I know what she's like in person she's full of energy and she takes no nonsense and she's given me a lot of she's a you know just in writing circles you meet people and yes. uh, and I wanted to read it because I knew how it would be written she also has a book called The Sandwich Years um, which was about what happened to her which is that um, like she had a new baby her marriage broke down and mm. her mother got seriously ill and eventually yes. died from her illness so mm. she had all this happen and that's very true to many people who are reaching this age mm. you know you might have small kids you might have of ailing parents or you might be a carer as well you're stuck in the middle you might have might be the peak of your career as well a lot of people are like doing really well a lot of pressurised jobs finances are keeping everything you know so you can see how it's a pressurised time of life and she really makes you kind of take a look at the bigger picture and say it, she's trying to get you to be happy how how can yes. you be happy in all yes. of this like that's going on
3: and you know she talks about her experience of going online looking to date again I laughed she says a lot of men on there want a rebooted version of their old marriage <laughs> and I certainly <laughs> don't want that for sure sure others want a house to live in because they can't afford to live anywhere i tell you it's just you know and it is so on the money with the, with the way you know life is today uh, for many people but here she is now no strings attached no financial really you know big yeah. worries as such and look at emma thompson eat your heart out her new movie good luck to you leo grand and young Daryl McCormick. she's meeting a lot of young flas on the online dating well, scene fair as well place isn't she her. yeah that's right she certainly is and good luck to her too it's it's a it's a very funny read yeah. it's it, it's it's really good
7: isn't you it? fly through it I got yeah. it out on my Kindle and I flew through it and I, I was looking through a notebook yesterday and I found all these notes I was like what oh yeah that was when I was reading Alana's book and <laughs> I have all my life planned out you know." Yeah. so yeah really just just good
3: it's a cracker ladies and gentlemen yes for, uh, for everybody Better Bolder Brighter by Alana Kirk Midlife Redefined it's out there and available too fantastic recommendations and you're flying along with your own Emerald Spy let us right. say it's
7: the Emerald Spy it's out a month now yeah, oh, yeah I'm going it's going to well go it's going on. really well I've yeah. had really nice not just nice feedback but engaged reviews um, I've done a good few book clubs now, I was down with the library yesterday and just interesting to hear people's feedback but people are really liking the truth behind the story mm. and all about Vida out in, on Green On there it's, it's, yeah, it's been received very well I'm delighted who
3: thought termin Feckin <laughs> would be on the <laughs> world map because of you. Ah! What an achievement. <laughs> um, anyway, well done to you. Congratulations. Of my world. <laughs> <laughs> and a lovely centre of your world, may I say, too. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Great to have you back in studio, Nicola Cassidy. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Delighted. Thanks. thanks, Jerry. 72, 74, 84. 2022 trim is the tidiest town in ireland and i'm joined by a man who i'm sure is just over the moon he's the chairperson of trim tidy towns brian heffernan congratulations thanks million. <laughs> oh, what a feeling brian
2: yes i think um, um, i know you've anthony on the other line and um, he described it as it's like winning the old ireland except for better <laughs> Oh, I haven't won the All-Ireland, but it uh, just
3: feel like it. Oh, it's the All-Ireland when it comes to the uh, tiny Towns. Tidy Towns, yes, yes, indeed, indeed. You know, you've been knocking on the door. You're always there and thereabouts. What, what was the feeling? What feeling did you have in your waters today? Do you think it was going to be your, your year?
2: Um, well, when the head of Super Value Marketing sat down beside me uh, at the start... <laughs> I was a little bit suspicious. so. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, this year, no. We, I, I, I'd be honest with you, we were hoping to win the regional award um, because it's progressing over many, many years. yet to be up at the very, very top. And we hadn't won the regional award before and uh, that came up first. So we won that. And then it was uh, between ourselves and Cole uh, who had been knocking on the door to win it overall for quite a while as well. And it was us uh, for the large town and we won that. And then I went Jesus, we could win this uh, completely. So we, it was it was actually a shock. We weren't we weren't expecting it.
3: Well, um, there you are. You've swept the boards in the three car- categories and the overall to be named best in the land. What what do you think is different this year? Is there anything you put your finger on that you might have done a little differently that swung it in your favour?
2: Um, it, it it I I could say a lot of things, but it's. It, it's over years. You have to with the Tally towns competition. You have to kind of uh, show your sustainably uh, up the top. So it's not like you, uh, for example, you do a lot in one year and then you'll all of a sudden win it. So it's 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 about showing your commitment over very many many years uh, to keeping the town well and leading in, in, in uh, especially now with climate change and sustainable ways of doing things. Uh, uh, Ronan Moore this year did councillor Ronan Moore. Did um, had come on board over the last two years, and he's been leading the way with uh, Trim SCC from Sustainable Energy Community, and we retrofitted a few houses um, in the town uh, through that with the help of the Leir SCC, and uh, we're also launching a a, a ten thousand tree planting uh, program uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, look, um, it's just many, many years. Like we 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 won before. So uh, we had a very, very, gr- a excellent base uh, to work on because Trim is a beautiful town, no matter
3: what. That and, is, and and you know, any time I pass through it, I knows are stopping it just for uh, briefly or whatever. It is so gorgeous, and it's a credit to all of you and all of the people over the years and uh, the current crop who work their butts off to keep and, the town in such ship shape.
2: Yeah, and there, there's um um, it, it, Trim is a big town, so we yeah. can't take. Uh, all the credit for this it comes to um down to all the volunteer groups in the town as well Tennis club have just done up their entrance at the moment g a are doing fantastic work at the moment uh, uh trim celtic won club of the year a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, trim drama trim musical are fantastic we we have a um, they are uh, they were leading the way with a new theater being built and um, so uh, uh we have great groups trimmed in history like there's there's so many Yes, and yes. Olympiates.
1: Mm, uh, yeah,
3: fantastic
2: job but also as well the council
3: yeah and, and, and with that while you say that let's bring in a man from the council he's our motoring man Tony Conlin, who's been involved for years Tony congratulations
2: thanks Tess. or thanks say thanks Jerry yeah yeah, thrilled, Jerry. Absolutely thrilled. Jeff rather be nearly happy talking about cars because I wouldn't be as nervous. But anyone.
3: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tony, the council do play their part enormously as well in uh, you know tying in with all those other groups uh, that Brian mentioned there. And congratulations yeah, to right. everybody in the council and the wonderful effort that's uh, behind it.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's from, from from the chief executive to our town engineer to the staff, outdoor staff to like the staff and trim from Nav, And This is is a whole community uh event. Like we work in we work very closely with the teddy Town Committee. It's like one big family lake and it's been fighting out there for years to try and get get a prize over the line and a good prize at that. Uh, certainly totally unexpected from my from my point of view today, Jerry, but uh, happy to get the gold happy to get the county but when I saw a regional and then when I saw a large town we in the
6: finals it was just unreal unreal
3: Ah it's fantastic Tony Uh, look we have to leave it there today thank you both for joining me congratulations to Trim Thank Thank you very very much and come to the Puka Festival this evening There you go big invitation to Trim this evening to celebrate and the Puka Festival and uh, with the win in mind we'll dedicate this one to Trim and the people of Trim and all involved it's Travis and he's singing about flowers and trim and flowers, synonymous. Tidiest town in Ireland in the northeast. Trim, be proud, be proud today. Wonderful. Now, just to mention, I have a documentary going out and our own Adrian Taff has produced it along with myself. It's called Mike Bunn in Camera. And Mike is a legendary photographer, a good friend of mine. And he's celebrating his 80th birthday this year. And he's a big retrospective exhibition opening in Farmley House in November. Have a listen to this next from the documentary on Monday, Mike Bunn.
6: They said, we got this group, we're calling ourselves The Beatles. And I thought, what a terrible name. And then I heard the first demo is... i was kind of cringing it was love love me do and on the other side it was oh she loves you yeah yeah and i thought is this but anyway i just left it at that little did i know that nine months later when i went back to london they were top of the hit parade
3: with those songs. 9am Monday morning just an excerpt the man is just unbelievable his life and times are incredible he dissed the Beatles and then they wrote a song about him yes don't miss it Monday morning and a big thanks to Adrian Taff who produced it with me Mike Bunn in camera and in camera in focus for the next while And Late Lunch he's sitting before me with two beautiful bottles of wine Rick Cronje, welcome back to the show thanks
5: very much Jerry always lovely to have you here with us well Rick can I say today two big bold reds very much so, Jerry. Real heavyweights now. Mm, they are indeed. And we're talking about the one grape again, but from
3: the northern and southern southern hemisphere. But, yeah. Rick, I look at the names. The one from France
5: is Syrah, Syrah, and yeah. in Australia it's Shiraz, but Shiraz, they're one yeah. and the same. They're one and the same, and that's been proven over the years. You know, there was sort of uh, mentioning of uh, Shiraz in Iran, the old uh, Iranian state, uh, the city there, but there's no connection there uh, genetically. Yes. There's no okay. connection. So, no, it's one and the same. It's just, yeah, uh, it's just one of It one has of those, a few other names yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Know, there course. are indeed a few other yeah. names for it as well.
3: Hermitage, is that what it's called in Australia? Yes, in
5: Australia and South Africa, although that name is not used very much. No, in fact, very mm. seldom. And then, um, again, in France, as we mentioned before, Jerry, they like to mention the area they come from. And for us, it's quite... Uh, Difficult sometimes to figure out what grape it is, you know, Uh, whereas this one is from the south of France, the uh, uh, Languedoc-Roussine area. They've actually got the name Syrah on it, but it's the same. Whereas if you go to Northern Rhone, where it originated from, well, then you're looking at things like uh, Cotrotti, uh, also a hermitage that they use there. So, yeah, but complicated. It is. So, yeah, but let's but stick, stick today stick. with Correct.
3: Syrah for a start, which yeah. is the Syrah, the France, uh, the French one that you have yeah. here today. Just tell
5: us, this is Tesco 2020. Both of them, Tesco, both twenty twenty, yes. So the one in France that we're yes. talking about first, um, yes. The, the grape itself, it's a dark, it's a tough skin grape, isn't it? The uh, yes, it is, uh, Jerry. It's quite tough. It's got a thick skin on it. It's dark in colour, uh, fairly loose as as far as grape bunches go. What makes it outstanding is that it's got a very uh a uh, cylindrical shape you'll notice it straight away whereas the others tend to be a bit more rounded than mm. that so yeah it's it's quite easy to spot in the uh in the vineyards uh, the wine of course influenced by the local climate
3: and the terroir in, in France as well yes uh, this one is medium to full-bodied. Is that what you'd say? Yeah,
5: that's what you would expect from it in in France. They tend to be medium, uh, full-bodied. It's rare that you'll get a, a full-bodied wine from there. And it's a, a, a Vindepay. Well, they've they've changed the name now to Paydoc. Um, but that really is what we call a, a table wine classification. Okay. Now, just to clarify, that doesn't mean it's a substandard wine, Jerry. Often, especially in France, where the laws are very, very strict for this particular IGP, the in uh, geographical indication, they, they just can't afford to get into that very specific. Yeah. So they'd rather go for the table classification. But that doesn't mean that the wine is substandard. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's and, and
3: that's an important thing to remember. Very much so. Very um, the area itself, what about 115,000 hectares this area in France covers,
5: co-ops and private producers, combination of yeah, both? This this particular uh, uh, estate is part of a co-op, and what that means is that you can grow your own, you keep your own name, but you use the co-op facilities as in winery and that. I see. It's a bit like a club, but you just don't have all the facilities. And often, and we've seen this on many occasions, they'll have, for instance, a mobile bottling plant. So, the truck will come to you, do your bottling for you, and move on to the next. I like customer. this.
3: This is community and communal. And it doesn't mean Absolutely. everybody has to spend big on the, their own facility. Exactly. Great idea. Exactly, Jerry. Exactly. Co op. Co-op. cooperation. That's yeah, what we that want. Is. Anyway, you have a, a, I'll take a little sip there. Oh, look at the lovely glass you have with you today. Absolutely yeah. magnificent. No messing with our Rick. I'm just yeah. looking at it here in the light. You can see it is a deep wine, of course. And uh, let me try it on the nose. Oh, there's there's deep fruit. There's
5: tons yeah. of dark fruit in that, isn't there? Yeah, there it is, Jerry. This first one is called Labrinot um, and Syrah, as we say, twenty twenty. Rick, so. it's beautiful. It is actually. It's 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 um. It's beautiful, it is. Rick. It's, it's it's got quite a strong nose on it as well. You 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 know you're not yeah it's got a good woof on it. I thing. was thinking when you were
3: talking about this, oh sure we have to have something big and bold to eat along with this. I'm gonna tell you
5: something now. I could happily sip that on its own you would uh jerry i um, you know uh i I think uh, it's, it's a bold wine, but it's so well-blended, so well-made that you don't oh, really... It's, Rick, yeah. it's gorgeous. But l- let's say I need a plate with it. What do yeah, you recommend? Yeah. What well, should I, I have would, with it? I would say beef would go well with it. Mm. Or lovely for uh, vegan, vegetarian, uh, 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 mushroom and pasta dish. Game... Yeah. It will go with and strong cheese. Oh, Rick. Yeah.
3: Rick, you're a master. You're a You've
5: picked a cracker for the first one today. Just remind yeah. them again of what it is. Yeah, it's from France and it's the uh, Labrinot. You'll see it. It's, it's actually, if, if you look at the spelling, it's say Prinodier, but uh, they pronounce it Labrinot. And it's a Syrah 2020. Tesco, 18 euro. 18 euro, I think it's a very good price, uh, Jerry, Um I had my club card ready, but they didn't give me the discount. So. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tesco, every little hurts.
3: We want every little help when it comes to the vino. Oh, that's exactly. beautiful, Rick. It's a lovely. Now, I even brought my water today just to give my little... I've only had a little sip of it here, and we always yeah. say... Always, in moderation, drink plenty of water and pace yourself across the evening when you are consuming alcohol. Now, let's go to Australia for our second wine today. Rick, will you tell them what you've picked from Tesco again?
5: Yes, this is from the uh, Barossa uh, Valley, and it's... uh Grant Burge. Now they've been around an awfully long time. The family has uh, Jerry, uh, eighteen sixty-five is when they started, and it wasn't very long after the actual Shiraz uh, vine arrived in Australia. James Busby uh, brought it over in, on uh, a trip, and he specifically went uh, to Europe and France and Spain. He was in particularly interested, and Shiraz was one of the yes. Um, Vines he brought back. So, um, yeah, so uh, Grant Burge is in charge of it uh, today. Um, And again, it's a Shiraz 2020 Barossa Valley. Uh, It's called Barossa Inc. You can't miss the label when you see it there. very dark in colour this one uh, it's darker
3: than the last and yes, I look, it is I'm even comparing them there yeah. if you can get a shade of darkness and a few times deeper this is certainly it let me have a little whiff of this one again it's just Full. fruit isn't it Full. dark Full. fruit yeah.
5: plum yeah blackberries
3: yeah. from the Irish Absolutely. ditches at the moment would that be in there that, somewhere that's yeah. in
5: there uh, Jerry, definitely um and the palate is just absolutely...
3: Well, awesome. the difference between the Northern and Southern
5: Hemisphere just comes across there when you taste absolutely, it, doesn't it? Absolutely, Cherry. For me, it was one of, you know, these two wines are really, that will explain the difference. It will. Yeah, The I've sunshine in that glass, isn't there? Yeah, this is the difference, you know. With the Southern Hemisphere, obviously, the the uh, growing season is longer. Yes. Temperatures in general tend to be uh, a lot higher, yeah. so you 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 can do that. Although with climate change now, we mm. don't know where we are anymore. To be oh, honest. Oh, it's
3: beautiful, Rick. It's beautiful. Yeah, I,
5: I really like it that. It Really
3: one. is gorgeous. Yeah. Again, you you chance it on your own. I'm sure you'd say, but yeah. as a match, what will you match with this one for us? Yeah.
5: Beef, lamb, pou- even poultry, I yeah. think, will we'll we'll go, go with well it. with we'll this Will go one. well with it, yeah.
3: Australia, Barossa, Barossa Inc. is the name of the label, Shiraz, 2020, Tesco, 15 euro.
5: 15 euro, giveaway, mm. giveaway, Jerry. It's I, I really beef. think Isn't it is.
3: And you're you timely for the time of year. We're going into the darker evenings, shorter days. Darker evenings. The stews, the beefs, the lambs, exactly. the game. These are the bottles for Halloween. Ah, <laughs> happy happy Halloween. They're just lovely, Rick. But again, yep. you're so good in offering us and showing us the comparison between the same grape grown in our neck of the woods, so to say, Europe, and down from where you come from in That's the Southern it. Hemisphere. Such That's a it. difference in the two of them. They're beautiful. It certainly is. They are absolutely beautiful. Tesco this month with Rick, both of them there. And we'll have our details online a little bit later on for you to pick up and enjoy. Rick, you're so good as always. Thank you so much for bringing those wonderful wines to us. See you next, See you next Ger- month, Rick. Yep. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bank holidays are documentary days on LMFM Radio. I mentioned my own going out uh, about Mike Bunn, 9am on Monday. There's another cracker going out midday Bank Holiday Monday and it is a fantastic listen. I recommend it highly to you. It's all about Gertrude Page and the man behind it joins me now. Chris Nickel, hello again.
1: Hi, Jerry. Hi. I'm really good. Who was Gertrude Page, please? <laughs> uh, Gertrude Page was it was a writer uh, back around the turn of the century, um, about 100, and, 100 years, just over 100 years ago, and and she was a best-selling writer, sold hundreds of thousands of copies of of the book that the the documentary is about, and it was then turned into a play and had had a long run in the Savoy in London and around the UK, and then. Oh made into two films a silent film in the UK and then a hollywood film in 1933 so she was a, she was a, a very famous writer at the time
3: so this play paddy the next best thing was huge in its day
1: it was huge it was huge and 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 i suppose it it, it capitalized on a lot of uh, stereotypes that probably the the british had at the time it was the time of empire and the irish fit into a certain uh, a mold and and, and obviously with independence, that, that, that uh, those characterizations, well, they were always offensive. But I think the, the reason why the, the book fell so out of favor very quickly, especially in Ireland, is that it, it portrayed uh, an Anglo-Irish culture that, that uh, after independence, didn't, didn't feel right, obviously, in Ireland. And, and what's more... It, it, it didn't portray the, the Irish that were here, I suppose. It was it was very much rooted in the in the Anglo Irish community. So it sort of fell 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 away in Ireland and, and it's it's very much forgotten.
3: And the thing is and the link with the Northeast, it was set in our favorite village of Omid.
1: Yes, Omid, and that's where I live. And that's where the, the idea for the documentary came because I heard of this book um and tracked down a copy and and, and read it, and then and, and tracked down the copy of, of the film, and I just thought, well, this is—it's incredible that something so popular, set in the village where I live, um, you know, is today, you know, forgotten, and, and not many people know about it. They might have heard the name, but really, it's a—it's lost to time at this stage. So it felt like, well, it's worth at least trying to track down what happened.
3: And, and and that's what is going to be revealed on Monday here on LMFM. Like, when you think of her time, she sold millions of books worldwide. This woman was really significant.
1: Yeah, she was significant. And, and, and she, she goes on, and this is another controversial thing of why she's forgotten. She goes on and moves to Ro- Rhodesia, what is now Zimbabwe, and becomes a, a, a settler there, a white settler, and, and has a farm, and writes these popular settler novels that, that are very popular in the British Empire at the time. And and so they would have been read in, in places like where I'm from in Canada and, and New Zealand and 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 it just portrayed this sort of adventurous lifestyle. But of course the, the flip side of that is that they're to us today they're they're very kind of racist in, in how they're looking at things because this is colonialism, this is mm. African colonialism and, and it just doesn't sit well. So it's sort of another reason why she just she she, she isn't palatable Today, in terms of her her novels, and yet, you know, it, it's worth looking back on this this figure uh, that, that plays some sort of role. I'm not sure what in the, in in the history of Omeed. Mm.
3: And you know, it's amazing the way these people are on Earth after you know been forgotten for so long. How did you come across her?
1: Well, it was it was a history talk. I like going to the, the to, to history talks whenever whenever they're around and and. It was mentioned, and there wasn't much mentioned of it, so then, so then it becomes a, a bit of a detective game of, of first starting with, okay, well, is the no- can I pack down a copy of the novel? And then you read that, and then you, you sort of sleuth around trying to, trying to find people who, who, who ha- are also have an interest. And there's a few uh, you know, people I interview who you know sort of had their own little interest far more than mine, where mm. they, they've been digging the, in this... For for a few years or decades, and so then you, you kind of latch on and, and together you're you're kind of trying to figure this out because it's because there's no you know direct link that you know in terms of family or anything that, that I've come across. Then it it becomes a well let, let's try and piece together as much as we can about yes. based on what's left.
3: Ah yeah, and you've done it I know magnificently. Uh, it's on Monday. 12 noon here on LMFM Radio she's coming back to life whatever happened to Gertrude (laughs) Page don't miss it folks congratulations again Chris and we'll be all tuned in on Monday to listen thanks Jerry. take care of yourself bye bye that's Chris Nickell there the man behind the documentary our TV theme let's have another listen Tales of the Unexpected? No. Dark Shadows? No. Midsummer Murders? Yes, Midsummer Murders it is. Anne Woods in Dundalk, well done to you. Got it right, along with lots of other people. We'll send our little gift out to you today, Anne, and thanks to everybody for joining in the fun, and we'll bring you another TV theme this day, next week. TV themes to Artists of the Week. Let's be hearing it. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, my Artist of the Week this week are Dr Hook. And I've no more to say about them today. I've said it all in the last four days. But I want to dedicate my song that I've selected from Dr Hook today to a lovely couple. Colum Hoy and Jenny O'Brien are getting married tomorrow At the Glenside Hotel just outside Drogheda That best wishes come in from Sean and Martin And I think it's appropriate, this song for you two today Here it is Dr Hook, my artist of the week Ah, this brings back memories I'm sure to many people A massive hit for them And timeless Enjoy Dr Hook my artist of the week this week on your late launch and uh, I'll bring you another artist of the week next week short week four days off Monday from Tuesday to Friday next week but I'll have somebody lined up for you for sure. Our sporting look ahead, soccer and GAA on the agenda today as I say hello to David Sheehan. Afternoon, David. Afternoon, Sherry. Thanks for joining me once again on the show. Let's begin with the Old League of Ireland tonight, the penultimate weekend of the season. Rovers, of course, crowned champions, but European places up for grabs and dog have a big interest. They're home to Bose tonight.
8: Yeah, at home to Bowes, recently appointed Declan Devine, former Derry City manager, of course, as as their new man after Keith Long. Got the bullet a few weeks ago, but not in great form. Bohemians, no wins in their last three matches. Dundalk, a little bit of a mixed bag, two wins, two draws and two defeats in their last three. And they had to rely on, it was their last six, I should say, had to rely on what, a 93rd minute equaliser last week against Sligo. But as we discussed last week, you know, St. Pat's were beaten by Shamrock Rovers, so that gave Dundalk a little bit of a, a leg, or a little bit of a leg up, I suppose, a little bit of a, a, a reason to be, to be reasonably satisfied. So yeah, Bo's at home. Again, with the situation the way it is, and with the table the way it is, uh, you'd imagine Dundalk you know, would be happy enough to have that home game against Bohemians who aren't in great form and win it. I'd, I'd expect them to, to get the win. like They are still missing a few key players, like Pat Huben's been there for so long. He's a massive miss for them, but bohemians just aren't really firing It's season's nearly over for them and i think they'll just be glad to see the back of it so i'd expect Undock to, to get a maybe a one nil win in that one
3: yeah and sligo could be kingmakers because they play pats pats are in the west this evening Drahada, mm. well they lost to ucd last week they face shelburne tonight shelburne have their eye on the cup of course that's their way to silverware this year their way to european football Um might benefit draw this evening
8: yeah, it was a just down to the bare bones. I mean, last weekend, they had six youngsters on the bench, and I mean teenagers. The only players with any experience on the bench uh, were Lee Stacey and Georgie Point, and so Georgie Point was the only outfield player uh, with any experience on the bench. They didn't bring on any subs at all. I think Kevin Doherty wanted the players out there to try and fix the problems that they'd created for themselves. But they're missing Evan Weir, Adam Foley, Lucchini injured. Ryan Brennan and Keith Cowan both missed last weekend as well. I'm not sure whether they're going to be back for tonight. Gary Deegan suspended as well. So he's such a key player, and... When you take out the likes of Cowan and Bre- and uh, Deegan in particular, they do miss that sort of experienced spine, that little bit of grit and um, physicality, really, that those two players bring. And I think that was exposed a little bit last week by UCD. There'll be a bit of needle to this game. There was the last time they met at Head in the Game Park where Ryan Brennan got that third goal and made Damien Duff know all about it, um, or let him know all about it. And Damien Duff and Kevin Doherty, of course, had a little, little spat afterwards. So there'll be a bit of, um, a bit of an edge to this one, but... Sean Boyd is back for Shelburne with, with the amount of injuries that draw had to have and that suspension for Gary Deegan you'd have to fancy Shells although five draws in their last six matches as you said definitely they've won I in the Cup Final now if they didn't have beforehand so um it, they could get a point out of this one, Drahada, but you'd, you'd probably fancy shells on balance of things to just nick that one.
3: You mentioned they have six youngsters on the bench. It looks like they'll have eleven youngsters, Drahada, on the field next year with the way they're talking about their budget. Uh, but that's for another day. Um, well, let's...
8: I mean, in, fa- in fairness, in fairness on that, Sherry, like they are trying to get new money into the club. Uh, They'll have to just hopefully do that. It's it's not an easy situation, as you know. Uh, the budget, as things stand, wouldn't be great, but I know they're working hard behind the scenes to try and get money in. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see and hope that they get that across well, the line. Well,
3: yes, they'll have to get that across the line for sure or else next year could be a very, very long haul. Let's move to the uh, Premier League and talk about the top two and Arsenal. Imagine saying in the top two that we're talking about Arsenal. Anyway, first up, City tomorrow are at Leicester City and Leicester shown a little bit of form, but you'd still have to... Say Manchester favourites.
8: Yeah, they've, they've they've kind of settled things down a little bit. I mean, Brendan Rogers was hanging on to his job by the skin of his teeth there a few weeks ago his very expensive teeth. But they've um, got two wins and a draw in their last couple of, in their last three games. Lesser. so they have calmed things down a little bit. And Erling Haaland is a doubt for tomorrow. He came off at half time during the week. But he was he was apparently uh, had a bit of a fever and he's got of an ankle problem as well. So. If he doesn't play tomorrow, that will give Leicester a bit of a boost given the form he's in. I mean, he's just unstoppable. Um, but regardless of whether Howland is fit or not, you'd still expect Manchester City to have enough quality. But Leicester, they do seem to have turned a corner. It's at the king power. So don't be surprised if they sneak something from that. But, you know, being realistic, you'd have to fancy city to get the win there for sure.
3: Arsenal, I watched them last week against Southampton. They should have been out of sight in the first half, ran out of steam in the second. They were well beaten in Holland last night, and Arteta admitted they they were just not good. they got to pick it up. Forrest beat Liverpool last week. Now, that's a game Liverpool had plenty of chances, but Forrest won. Arsenal mm. at home to Forrest, you have to say it's a home win,
8: but... Yeah, well, but exactly. Um, So we, we don't know. I mean, Forest obviously knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup last, last year and actually did so a few years ago as well, albeit that was at City ground. But, you know, they they had a bit of a mixed bag of a team out last night against PSV. They were well beaten. And I would say in the morning with Kevin Doherty last week, it was a little bit alarming for Mick, Mikel or Arteta to see how the backup players did in a game like that. Um, but, yeah, at home against Nottingham Forest, you know, on Sunday You'd have to fancy them to get the win, really and truly. If they were to drop points there, it would be a bit of a disaster. St. Mary's last weekend, it's always been a bit of a bogey ground for them. They should have won that game, and they didn't. The old failings of getting one ahead and not seeing it out. But yeah, look, Forrest at home, it has to be a bank or three points for them, really.
3: It has to be uh, let's move to g a now and leave the Premier League and talk about the centerpiece game of the big game this week in- involving teams in-, in the northeast in yeah. Leinster, and it's the ladies of screen up against Cooley Kickham's, a allowed me, Derby,
8: yeah, it's the intermediate ladies football championship, even though Cooley are the senior champions in allowed that's just the way that the grades go there with obviously me being a little bit stronger at that level, and that's how they kind of decide how to, how to run it so. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, both sides had good wins last weekend. Cooley beating Castlenock, and obviously the Dublin champions would always be pretty strong. So uh, that was a really good win for them. They were two behind at halftime. They came through it, and Screen had a good win down in Kildare. Um, it's a hard one to call because they're playing at different grades in each of their counties, as I said. But uh, Kira Smith is, is an up-and-coming player from Screen, and I know there's big hopes for her to be the next big star of Mead Ladies Football. Uh, toss of a coin here, Jerry. I'm just going to give the nod to Cooley on it because they're, you know, they're a senior team, but it's going to be really close. It's in screen as well. So they have home advantage. Um, it's going to be a toss of a coin in this one. I think we have that one live on Sunday. Brennan will be at it, but, uh, yeah, maybe a very hesitant nod towards Cooley, but it's it's going to be really, really tight and it's, it's going to be a really interesting game. And obviously, whoever wins into a Leinster final. The
3: boys are getting a rest this week. So, but then there's loads of action in the weeks ahead. Well, please, God, with the clubs mm. moving on as it marries and, of course, the Meade champions as well. Being, we'd be hopeful that, you know, that one or other would perhaps make it all the way to a final.
8: Yeah, I mean, and Mead's record in the Leinster club is so bad. But, yeah, you know, given some of the teams that have come out, like I remember Navan O'Mahony's a really strong Navin O'Mahony's team winning the, the Leinster Urban in the Mead County Championship a number of years back, and I think they got absolutely hosed by the by the, La- the La- Longford champions rather. And um, but I think the key thing, Jerry, for, for me anyway, and I mean, St Marys did their business last week, and we wondered how that would go. The key thing for me though is if you have a team that's won maybe two or three county championships in a f- in the space of a few years, as we're told, to have done. They're kind of over that initial euphoria of winning their county championship, and they they probably have their eyes set on on, on higher targets. So I'd be really hopeful that that Ro- we're told will be able to go out and, and give a cut again to themselves. All right, next weekend I think it's against Road, who are a vastly experienced uh, Leinster uh, campaigning team. So they'll always be quite strong. But I think it's about time that somebody in me, you know, flew the flag. It's it's I think 2003 when Dunshott and won it um and screen got to a final a few years after that but we were beaten so yeah it'll be really interesting to see our decent marys we we talked about their celebrations last week well they showed no signs of rustiness at all last mm. week um had a nervy enough finish but finished really strongly with the goal and a couple of points so yeah look let's hope we've got a we've got a bit of a run from for one or both of those sides uh through. i think i'm right in saying that they will meet in the semi-final if they both get through their respective quarterfinals so you know, we could have won or we could have yes. won of the two sides in a Leinster final, but fingers crossed we get a bit of a run out of some of them and we we get a bit of live action on a Sunday sport <laughs> for the next few weeks.
3: Yeah, that's what you want indeed. Indeed, indeed. Join uh, David this Sunday on Sunday Sport. It is Bank Holiday Weekend, of course. Until next week. Thanks a million. Thanks, Sherry. Take care. David Sheehan are running the rule over uh, the weekend's sporting action. That's it on Late Lunch for another week. I, I love your bank holiday weekend. Enjoy it. Get out. Uh, the clocks are changing on Sunday night, but as I say, again, it makes no difference. They'll change for you and every device you have under the sun. Uh, an extra hour in the bed this weekend. That's to be welcomed, of course. Thanks to all our guests who joined us during the week. Really do appreciate your time and input to the show. To you our listeners who are with us every day of the week. Thanks so much for your company and to my producer, Louise Walsh. I couldn't do this show without her. thanks a million, Louise. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. And don't forget those documentaries, Bank Holiday Monday, 9 a.m., and 12 midday well worth catching have a lovely weekend stay safe and do come back for your late lunch on Tuesday next at half one we'll see you then
2: LMFM podcasts with CNC carpets we bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660
0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are.